Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for the boom. Welcome back to episode three of the Down and Off podcast, HMB fans. I'm John Brown and he's Tim Clay, and we're glad to hear that you enjoyed episode two and we didn't suffer from the sophomore slump that we were worried about. And we think you'll enjoy what we've got cooked up for this one. We've got Jeff Sybil, who is the musical director of the UI Alumni Band, as well as the guy who worked very hard on putting the virtual Alumni Band homecoming reunion together back in November. So, Tim, how are your holidays going? We're right in the middle of the holiday season. Man, we had a jam pack the last couple of days, getting together with my mom's side and my dad's side, uh, trying to be as safe as we can with masks and social distancing. But it was really good to see folks. My uh, my dad's in assisted living, and it was nice to spring him out for the first time since March to get together. And we saw him laugh harder than we've seen him laugh in years, just playing games with the family. It was really good. How was yours? Oh, that's awesome to hear. It's it's glad to, to hear that he got a break and was able to get out and, and get together with all of you because th- this has just been a tough year for people being able to connect. We're social creatures by nature. So this has been difficult on so many people. So it's good to hear that you were able to do that. Ours was pretty quiet. Um, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is typically just the four of us anyhow. So it really wasn't that far out of the norm, but we, uh, given the 2020 was the poop storm that we all know and love it to be. Um, you know, we tried to kick it up a little bit and, and make it as fun as we could. Um, the only casualty is we have a learning curve to tackle on how to make uh, my son's Xbox account work on a laptop so, so he can see the games on his laptop and hence get off of the Xbox and let us watch TV again on our main TV. Um, been fighting weather issues, not very much though. A lot of wind and very little snow in our fake blizzard on Wednesday. Um, but it sounds like both Tim in Des Moines and me up here in the gleaming metropolis of Sock Rapids, Minnesota, um, might be seeing some more snow Tuesday night and into Wednesday. So we'll see what this next one brings to us. So remember to email us your ideas if you have a question you want us to answer, if you've got uh, different things you want us to read in the old mailbag. Uh, be sure you email us at iowaalumniband at gmail.com. We will be happy to answer those for you in our opening segment. We will start doing that as we get those. So be sure to drop us a line. But for now, it's time to go down and off. Welcome back to the Down and Off podcast. Our first guest is really someone who needs no introduction. He's been a vital part of the Hawkeye Marching Band as a band member, as an alumni band member, and now he's on the alumni band board and the musical director of the alumni band. That, of course, would be Jeff Sybil. Jeff is joining us to talk about his role as musical director and recap the virtual alumni band reunion that was done in November and sounded like it was a huge success. I was bummed that I couldn't attend, but work was calling that day, but sounds like it went really well and people that were there were having a great time. So Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tim. It's nice to be here. Good job on the first couple of episodes. Very entertaining and uh, sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun. We're probably having too much fun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, before we get... Before we get started, I want to I want to congratulate John on having the Souther Trophy arrive in Iowa City on display at the band office. John did a lot of work and his enthusiasm and his leadership, you know, spurred everybody to donate money and the Souther Trophy is home. Our our trophy is home. So, congratulations to John and everybody on the board that uh, done that and thank you to all the the alumni band members and and current band members that donated, all our supporters. It's a really nice trophy to have on display, and I hope that next year everybody can come back and actually see it in Voxman and and appreciate uh, what you've done. Thanks, Jeff. It it was, with regard to the board, it was a total team effort, and I mean, that's kind of what a band is all, a marching band is all about, is its team and its family, and the family came together and said this was a great time to 
to get that trophy back home and was excited to see the pictures that Dr. Bush sent out to some of us and glad to see that we have that trophy at home in Iowa City. So yeah, again, to everybody out there, congratulations and thank you for your support of making that happen because it truly was a very proud moment on the 30th anniversary of being announced as the Sudler Trophy recipients for us to have that replica at home on the University of Iowa campus. All right, so now we get to grill you for a little bit. Um, I don't think you have much to worry about, though. Uh, we're, we're pretty tame as it goes if you've been listening to the first two episodes. So I'm just going to kind of throw three questions at you at once, and they're the basics for those that aren't familiar with who you are. Kind of a, tell us who you are, what instrument did you play, and when were you in the Hawkeye Marching Band? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I'm a born and raised Davenporter. Really, the only time I spent away from Davenport was the years I spent in Iowa City. I always said somebody's got to anchor the hometown, so here I am. I played baritone horn in the marching band, and then on a whim, I picked up um, mellophone and played mellophone in the pep band because baritones weren't in the pep band at that time. So yeah, I was able to go, uh, obviously, on the bull trips and then follow the basketball team around when we had B.J. Armstrong and oh, I, that whole team. And Roy, Roy Marble. Marble. And Roy Marble, yeah, yeah, all those guys, uh, right when... Uh, Tom Davis had everybody go into far-flung areas of the United States on NCAA basketball trips. <laughs> I was in the band 84 through 87. I actually tried out my uh, 1983. I, I was a 1983 graduate of West High School uh, and uh, tried out for the band and did not make it my first year. Um, so tried again in 84, made it. Uh, was rank leader um, 86 and 87 and then uh, decided to try out for drum major, was accepted for that, drum major 88 and 89 seasons, and um, graduated in 90. Very cool. That's quite a story. That's quite a journey. That's excellent. Yeah, you know, uh, the last band banquet, I was sitting up at the table with Dr. Jones and said that I didn't make it the first year, and he looked at me like, what? You, you didn't make it? I said, no. He said, and you came back and tried out again? And like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, part of it was the fact that, uh, you know, having, being a band geek, you know, all through, from the time you start to the time you go through middle school and high school and um, college band, uh, you know, that's, that's what you want to do. That's, that's where your, um, that's where the excitement is and, and uh, the performance and, um he said, and you, uh, you, you know, he, he said, wow, he said, and you became drum major. I'm like, well, yeah, it was, it's kind of, the, I don't want to say it's natural progression, but, um, uh, it, it was, you know, you just kind of wanted to be in the band, the, the Hawkeye band for as long as you could. And, and I was around, so I was either going to march two more years or, or be drum major for two years. So I was very fortunate to, uh, to uh, be out front of the band for two years. That's excellent. I, you almost could have thrown it back at him, been like, you could have had me for another year if you had just taken me my first year. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is on the back end, if I if I wouldn't have graduated, I would have been drum major for the uh, 91 Rose Bowl. Um, but uh, I had to get out of there eventually. <laughs> well, when you got out of there, uh, what did you major in? What did you graduate with? Uh, I was a biology major. Um, got a Bachelor of Science degree. Uh, and really, <laughs> uh, I found out, and, and this is going to sound really weird, but, uh, the very last class I took was a summer class called Iowa Flora. And the first half of the summer we spent dissecting plant parts and, and all the anatomy of plants. And, and the second half of the summer was wandering around Iowa city and all the parks and recreation areas, identifying, uh, plants by structure. And uh, it dawned on me that uh, I, my time may have been better spent at college if I'd gone to Iowa State for horticulture. But <laughs> I didn't tell my parents that uh, for about five years after I graduated. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, um, I actually ended up uh, using my biology degree through more of a botany horticulture aspect. Um, I was able to uh, become a... a Iowa State Extension, uh, Scott County Master Gardener, and 
did that for a few years and then I actually uh, worked at a, a local botanical park as a volunteer program coordinator and introduced uh, all sorts of volunteers young and old to um, uh, the, the nature behind uh, a botanical park and the horticulture and the work that's involved so yeah it was uh, it turned out to be very good um, I'm currently a custodian which uh, you wouldn't think has much to do with botany or or, or biology, but there's actually a lot of um, a lot of uh, skills involved and knowledge, and really taking care of um, a school uh, is much like taking care of a garden. Uh, you got to stay ahead of things. You got to care for it. Um, uh, there are uh, living entities <laughs> inside the building that uh, that you want to thrive, and and so um, there are a lot of uh, skills that cross over to uh, from my education to my career. Absolutely. Um, and I, I've got a special place in my heart for uh, Master Gardeners. My grandmother was a Master Gardener and a huge Iowa Hawkeye fan. So any Hawkeye fan, Master Gardener, I'm all about it. That's excellent. <laughs> what would you say would be some of your favorite memories of your days in the HMB? Oh, man. Uh, you know, really, everybody sees the performances and when everybody's uh, wearing their uniforms and that, but really the band is all about rehearsal. That, that's when you are uh, working as a group of individuals to make this, this mass production come together. And, um, you know, there's nothing like a, <laughs> a fall afternoon in October where the air is just cool enough and the sun is just warm enough and you have nothing to do but stand out on a field with uh, 250 of your friends uh, working through a project, you know, making music, making uh, marching uh, formations. And, and just, you know, it's just so enjoyable. I mean, that, that's what you remember about marching band is, is yeah, the time in Kinnick is great, but really it's, it's on the rehearsal field and, and and hanging out with your friends that um, that makes the band meaningful. Um, you know, as far as game day uh, routines, when I was in the band, uh, I lived in Hillcrest, and we would walk through uh, the first floor of the of the hospitals uh, to get to Kinnick because we had a rehearsal in Kinnick. And I always remember uh, stepping out on the west side of the hospital, uh, coming out of the lobby, and hearing a percussion inside Kinnick and you know, the cadences and the warm-ups are just pinging off of the empty stadium. And if there was any single sound that got you ready for game day, that was it. That was, you know, okay, um, it's it's time to go. Uh, you know, and that, that always, uh, so whenever I hear percussion uh, cranking up in the morning, that uh, that takes me back to, uh, that takes me back to Kinnick. You know, um, you know, other game day experiences, uh, as drum major, um, man, I would lay out my uniform the night before, and uh, I would count the number of boots that I had. We made sure it was two, and I'd count my hat, and uh, I'd have my mace there, and and um, everything was laid out, and and I, sh I made sure of all the things. I made sure I had my whistle. I don't know why, but that whistle, I, I would look at it and and I would look away and it would be gone. I, I don't know what it would do, but it was messing with me. But I still have, I still have, um, you know, I have those reoccurring nightmares uh, that I've, I've forgotten my whistle. Uh, I don't know what stuck with me with that, but uh, yeah, I always had my, my uniform laid out so I knew I had everything, um, uh, you know, Saturday morning. Um, but, uh, you know, during the game, it's really becomes a work day uh, as, as drum major. You know, uh, there's a lot of organizational things you need to do. Uh, there's, <clears throat> especially as, uh, for homecoming, a drum major. Um, you know, you come in on a Friday afternoon and it's, uh, you know, parade organization, getting everybody lined up. Uh, you get the parade, you're done. Uh, it's, it's you know, a few minutes downtown and then Saturday morning it's breakfast and chart distribution and, and getting over rehearsal. And, and before you know it, uh, it's game time. And before 
even have a chance to watch the game, the game is over and everybody's dispersing and homecoming is over. And there's always a moment about three hours, four hours after the game that I really don't remember any of the game. You know, you're just so focused on, on uh, making sure everybody's, you know, having a good time, uh, that apples are distributed, um, you know, that uh, there's no issues. And, um, you know, most of the time it's a win, but uh, a lot of times I don't remember any part of the game. Interesting to go through uh, your game day experience as a member of the marching band and then as a member of the alumni band. I will say, you know, this, <laughs> as drum major, much like a, a football player, the, the game slows down for you on the field. Uh, after you've been in the band for a few years, you, you get to expand your focus. Uh, you know, you're, you're aware of more things. And certainly as drum major, when you're not performing with an instrument, um, you, get to, you get to be aware of the crowd and specifically individuals. You could, you could pick people out of the crowd. And we were at Michigan State, I think it was 1988. I think it's my first trip and we were at Michigan state and um, John, you remember me, I, I was strapping 128 pounds soaking wet, you know, and, and uh, six yep. foot. And, and I had these, uh, I had these one inch wide uh, yellow suspenders, gold suspenders uh, that held up my pants. And, and I, I didn't have my coat on It was before the game. I didn't have my, my drum major uniform coat. And this guy, this Iowa fan, comes up and says, I want to buy your suspenders. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, look at me. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? Uh, and I said, well, you can't buy my suspenders, but let me, tell me where you, tell me where you're sitting in the stands. And he's like, why? I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll point you out. I'll, I'll acknowledge you. And he's like, no way. I said, tell me where you're sitting. And he said he was on the 40, um, you know, as we're facing the stands on our, on our, the right hand 40. And he says about a third of the way up. I said, great. I said, I'll come out for pregame. I'll hit the 50-yard line. I'll turn around and I'll point you out. And he just shook his head. He's like, no way. I said, yeah, yeah. So so anyway, uh, you know, Lou calls out the boom. Uh, percussion, sousaphone's head out. I hit my strut, come out, hit the 53 spin. And as I spin, I begin to drop my mace along the 40. And all of a sudden, this guy just pops up out of the stands arms above his head pointing you know this guy yeah, all right it's me yeah and it was just awesome to be able to to connect with the crowd and this particular individual um from the field you know uh it was it was a a really cool moment and after that moment uh for the rest of uh my drum major stint um it was it was very easy to uh, be aware of, of people in the crowd or, or maybe, a, um, you know, a kid says something and you can, you can do something to uh, point them out or, or some sort of motion to acknowledge that, that they're there. And um, of course, you know, you're on the field, there's 40,000 people in front of you in the stands, you're doing a general motion, but it's enough. And, and, uh, you know, people appreciate it. That's fantastic to be able to connect with audience like that. Uh, Jeff, do you have a favorite road trip memory? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually favorite road trip was probably Northwestern. Um, cause we got to do it twice. Uh, well, I went the first year, 84, uh, we did the Pinball Wizard Show, and then um, in 88, we did uh, 1812 at Northwestern. I'm going to correct you, Jeff. That was 89 because I was on 89, that trip. 89. Yeah, 89. Yep. Yeah, my second year. Um, so, yeah, we had two awesome performances uh, at Northwestern, and um, since that was uh, Hayden Fry, those were uh, both two awesome wins because that's when we – um, uh, we would put it to Northwestern. <laughs> We're getting a little payback for that now, but uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the cool thing about Northwestern Stadium, everybody, everybody uh, kind of hates on a little bit, but um, I remember the Saturday morning rehearsal uh, for both shows. 
that sound would get up underneath the upper deck uh, there and bounce back at you. And it was awesome to hear your sound come back. You don't realize how loud uh, the marching band is when you're on the field. You know, it's a little bit more individual, everything's spread out, but if you have something that bounces it back at you, um, it gets you pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, I remember that road trip to Northwestern 89. That it, it is a neat stadium. What was wilder was a few years later, I just went to a game there and it snowed. We got the lake effect snow in the middle of that game, and that was when Northwestern started sticking it to us. And yeah. um, it was, you know, and the crowds were a little bit bigger. By then, they had out, you know, we were not necessarily the majority in the stadium anymore. And this was back in 1997, and um, it had just kind of started to snow right about kickoff at that game. But we lost that game like 17 to 16 and just were kind of flat that day. But yeah, that was just kind of one of the weirdest things in the world was to get that lake effect snow in. And by the time the game was over, it quit. So we didn't get great big gobs, but it is a neat stadium. It's, it, they, you know, I'm, I can only imagine what they've done with the place with all the remodeling and renovations they've done. But the interesting question we'll throw at you next is going from the transition of our band world to the real, real world, what skills um, translated over from, from our days in the marching band to what you do in career and life now? There's one saying that always sticks with me that Dr. Jones said that was be flexible and use discretion. And um, I don't know how many times I kept myself out of trouble by just keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> Probably fewer times than I've got myself in trouble for not keeping my mouth shut. But, um, you know, you really have to, uh, you really have to be aware of the situations that you face in your everyday life and uh, approach them sort of pragmatically. Um, and the other, the other thing that ties into that is that, uh, you know, Dr. Jones always used to say, um, I could yell at you while you're on the field and I can point things out, but the moment you come off the field, we're done. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's about, <laughs> he always used to say, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at what you're doing. <laughs> and, and, uh, I think that goes a long way, uh, in the workplace too, where you have to understand that, um, the dynamics and the pressures of work, uh, of the work day, um, everybody responds differently and things that happen can be frustrating, uh, can make you upset. But in the end, um, if you leave it there on the field or at work and you're able to um, not take it off the field, I think it makes things easier. And I think that you only get that with a little bit of work experience. Um, it doesn't seem to apply right away because when you're first out in the work world, everything's really um, you're really emotional. You want to get things done. You're really uh, motivated. And, and uh, sometimes the emotions, uh, work emotions can burn a little hot. Um, but, uh, you know, in the end, it's, it's about perspective and being able to um, uh, accommodate people in your day and um, understand that everybody's, at least in my current workplace uh, at a school, you know, everybody's working towards the same goal and that's for the betterment of the kids. And, um, you know, as long as everybody remembers that, then everything's good. You know, um, I guess the, that would be the biggest translation from uh, a marching band skill or, or, or life advice from Dr. Jones to the work world. Um, other than the fact that uh, I got really good at remembering people's names. You know, we used to sit in that in Dr. Jones's office at the early part of the season. Everybody had their picture taken, and it was on a little disc, and uh, on the backside was their name. And um, boy, that that that's an ability that for some reason I can I can meet somebody and ten minutes, twenty minutes, four years later, still remember their name. Uh, it's it's um, kind of cool. Continuing with uh, you know the transition to the real world. Um, what advice 
would you have for marching band members in the band today? Could be, you know, real world advice, could be advice for them in the band. Well, I'll, I'll start with what I'm ta- when I'm talking to high school kids. Um, I, I've been fortunate enough to work with a couple of high schools, uh, uh, just giving advice for drum majors, giving advice for marching skills. And I tell the kids, I don't know, whatever you do, when, when you go to college, be involved in some group that's interesting to you. It doesn't have to be marching band. You, if your marching band career ends at high school and you're fine with that, that's great. There's great opportunities in college wherever you go uh, to, do, to do marching band, do concert band, do all those musical things. But regardless, when you go on to college, big college, little college, community college, whatever, try to get involved in a group or organization that matches your interest. Because we all know what happens when we go up, when marching band kids go up a week before everybody else does at summer, right? Again, it's not about the performance aspect, it's about hanging out in the rehearsal field and going to eat in the dorms and getting to know each other so that when that first day of classes happens and you're walking across the pennant crest, with 10,000 other people between classes, oh, I know you, and I know you, and there's a marching band t-shirt, and I think I saw them from the saxophone section. It makes your whole world that much smaller. And so, you know, when I'm talking to high school kids, you know, I tell them to try to make your world smaller by getting to know some people uh, right away. And, And that will help you transition to whatever, new experience you're headed on to. As far as college marching band kids, I had the opportunity, not this past summer, but the summer before, to speak to the percussion section uh, during their tryouts, their, their final tryouts. And I talked to the incoming freshmen and I told them, uh, and you know, this is based on my experience, I said, if you don't make the marching band, it's not personal because of you. It's because the graduate staff had to make a decision. And don't take it as a slight against your skill or your, you know, your abilities or um, your personality. Everybody is at, this, is at this high level. You've probably all been all-state audition kids, you've all, you may have been in Allstate, uh, you've all been section leaders, you've all performed on the, on the premier uh, bands in your high school. Um, you're all good. You're all worthy of being in the band. It's just that a decision had to be made. And in my case, <laughs> believe it or not, for as much running as I did and soccer and all that, I couldn't quite swagger as well as the guy next to me. And it came down to shoulder swagger. That was, that was the difference. And so be it. That's what it was. You know, Um, it happens and it'll happen again in your life. You may be, ultimately qualified, but the decision didn't go your way. That's no reason to stop uh, trying again. And, um, you know, I I hope that if nothing else, it helped soften, you know, the disappointment. The kids that didn't make it, I know a few of them went on to concert band or playing now in, in symphony band and that, and they did end up trying out again and making the marching band. So, you know, it's not the first time you won't, achieve a goal on your first attempt when you're in college, the, the best thing you could do is try it again because you have the time and, and unlike this year, the opportunity will be there again next year. So for high school kids, be involved, stay interested in something. For the college kids, you know, there's going to be disappointment, but it's not because of your lack of ability necessarily. It's just a decision had to be made. That's excellent. And great things can come from disappointments uh, through perseverance. Um, You know, you're totally an example of that. That's excellent. So Jeff, talk a little bit about your role with what you're doing with the alumni band board as the musical director and all that. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the titles are funny because um, uh, the musical director sounds like I'm arranging music and, and putting together a band and all that. And really, um, as everyone knows at Homecoming, we show up, we play, and we disperse. And somewhere along there, uh, some music gets made and, uh, and uh, some fun is had. Um, so, you know, as far as uh, my title, the musical director, um, I think it's more of a, a, a sorting title. Um, we're going to put Jeff over here. This is uh, his little spot. Um, I think Kirk Phillips gave you that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, really, uh, a musical director of the homecoming band, we'll put it that way, because Tim is musical director of the winter sports band or the pep band. And, and so um, it, it helps, you know, differentiate what our jobs are, what our focuses are. Um, but uh, my role is, is not unsimilar to what I've been doing all along, which is making sure that uh, homecoming weekend goes as smoothly as possible without uh, issues and that um, um, the participants, uh, all the people that come back have a good time and that there's no, uh, nothing that they have to worry about, you know? Um, be here at this time, when we move over to the stadium at this time, you know, I, I wish uh, you didn't have to climb all the stairs to the top of the stadium for the seats, but you know, you got to have something to, to improve on every year. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so, so my role is, is uh, something I'm very familiar with in terms of uh, the homecoming process. Uh, in terms of working with the board on that, um, you know, uh, for years we've done it a certain way and now it's a different way to do it. And it's a, a the collaboration that we have amongst the people on the board and and uh, the people that we've asked to be involved uh, with organizing um, our different events uh, is really cool. Um, you know, it, I, I've said before that um, you know I don't I don't wear a whole lot of black and gold uh, in my regular day life uh, because I've worn the black and gold for the university much like uh, you know the the basketball team has their uniforms football team has their uniforms um, we have our uniforms and and that's kind of the ultimate uh, representation for the university and and so um, you know I, I I don't feel I have to uh, sport black and gold around in my everyday life as much because I've worn a higher level of it, if you will. And so um, along the same lines of working with the board uh, to represent the university uh, is pretty humbling, you know, I mean, because we're all sitting here in our hometowns doing our everyday job. And, and then every few weeks we get together <clears throat> and we're uh, an official organization of the university. And, and, uh, that's pretty cool. It's good to get together with people from different generations uh, of the band and uh, understand the the evolving traditions and um, put together something that uh, hopefully will leave a mark and and give a starting point to uh, future band members and alumni that come onto the board and um, have this new this new trail, this new tradition of uh, collaboration between the Hawkeye Marching Band and the Alumni Band. I guess it's just a unique opportunity and, and uh, something that makes you want to put the work in to represent everybody as best as possible. And you know, the one thing that's, that's really, really, really different uh, from the time that we were in band till now is um, the camaraderie across the different Big Ten bands. You know, social media obviously has uh, enhanced that and, and allowed that. But you know, when when a when another band came into Kinnick, um, it was it was on. You know, it was like uh, you're not leaving here with a performance better than ours. You know, uh, Tim, you may not know this story, but when we debuted the eighteen twelve show, and Dr. Jones had the fireworks and everything all set aside, um, the Illinois band was in town and the Illinois band was in the rec center. Uh, they did their portion of the show. And as they left, we did the previous week's halftime show music because we weren't going to 
give our hand as to what was coming at halftime. And when halftime hit, there was there was uh, surprise <laughs> on uh, on the Illinois band. You know, there was appreciation, of course. Uh, you know, uh, but you know now everybody posts their halftime show of what they're going to do the week before, and and uh, all the bands know what's coming ahead of time. And you know, it was just a different time, uh, a little bit more competitiveness, just a little bit more one-upsmanship, gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, everybody's band is good. Uh, every Big Ten band out there is a good band, a great mm-hmm. band. Um, but uh, you know, when you didn't have social media, you could you could be a little bit more uh, clandestine about what you're going to put out on the field. And um, you know, that that was the thing that really uh, was fun about that 1812 show. The first time we performed it was was pulling that off, and mm-hmm. and um, and you know, performing that. So, but nowadays, you know, uh, not only is a collaboration there between uh, the Big Ten bands, but, you know, of course, now there's a National Alumni Band Association. And uh, it's interesting to see that uh, develop because I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for uh, our band to um, integrate ideas from other bands that Mm -hmm. could be beneficial to us. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we don't have to go it alone uh, in terms of um, sort of the mechanics of alumni band. Uh, there may be some things that, uh, you know, the, the, the alumni that come back and participate in the band, they may see uh, some things that we do that are a little bit different. But, uh, you know, mostly I think it's going to be organizationally is, is going to be a big help to see how other bands, uh, uh, other universities run their alumni band to see how we compare and, and how we can improve and how we can offer our experiences to them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that, uh, I think that's a, a big part of the future of alumni bands and then marching band, uh, the college bands, of course, um, is, is how you diversify from just being uh, a football band. Um, I think this year really uh, accelerated that need in that what is a marching band without a football team? Well. It's a band, it's a performance, it's a class, and uh, it's still an experience, but you have to make it your own experience now. You have to uh, decide where else on a university and community uh, can you um, establish a presence and um, uh, give value to your community uh, outside of Kinnick Stadium and Carver. Yeah, I, I'll make a quick point about that Illinois game in 89. We also had one additional level of pressure, and that was the fact that we knew we were going to be on national TV on ABC. Yeah, that was I, – I remember that was something that Dr. Jones was really driving home with us. Is we got to get this one right because, you know, that's it was the 2.30 game on ABC, so it was a national audience. And um, – so yeah, there there was a lot in play there. That was probably one of the coolest shows that I think probably from our era that there was. And I do agree that National Association of Alumni Bands is going to be a really cool thing. They're getting started. I happen to be sitting on their board right now and trying to help them. Believe it or not, they've got me recruiting alumni bands in the southeastern part of the U.S. I couldn't even do my own region. <laughs> There were so many people that wanted to do this region. They said, how should I try, the, try out the Southeast? So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But no, they, they really are working on some grand plans to, to get more bands involved, sharing ideas and collaborating, just like you said, and trying to find ways that they can innovate. They're talking a lot, a lot of the same things. What can we do year round? And finding out that these alumni bands, there are various types of organizations between, you know, like, we, we work with UICA where some of these alumni bands are independent 501c3 organizations and they raise their own money and they do all that. So it's just literally a full spectrum of what they do. So yeah, over the next year, especially, it'll be interesting to see how we get to connect with some other alumni bands around the country, which is really cool. Um, you led a virtual alumni band homecoming reunion in November where, you know, everybody in the country either canceled homecomings or went virtual and, and the alumni band went virtual and you, you played 
a huge role in making that happen, Jeff. Um, take, take a couple of minutes, and, and if you would, please kind of give us a recap, because I know we had a good turnout, and we had some people that couldn't come, but let us know what all went on and how it went. Well, thank you. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Um, of course, the biggest thing about doing something virtual is you don't know how your audience is reacting because you're just talking to your computer screen in your office and um, you don't know how well your supposed jokes are landing or um, how people are reacting out there. But, um, you know, the idea for the virtual homecoming not only came from other alumni bands and what they were doing, but uh, a few weeks before our homecoming, uh, the Chicago Eye Club invited uh, some of the alumni band board to be part of their uh, brunch with the band. Mm -hmm. And uh, we played some videos, uh, we told some stories, we talked about uh, the Hawkeye band and the alumni band. and. Um, that experience really said, well, why don't we, why don't, it started the discussion, why don't we try this for homecoming? And really the, the uh, Leah Best and Kim Chickering are uh, advisors through the uh, Center for Advancement are really the ones that did the legwork for getting everything set up in terms of the Zoom uh, process. Uh, we had a huge capacity because we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so they set it up as a webinar and we had uh, more than enough capacity to uh, accommodate as many people as possible. We had a great turnout. Um, uh, I think the people that uh, were on the other end enjoyed it. Um, my my uh, process to put this together was to um, be able to tell some of the information that we normally don't get to tell the alumni during homecoming weekend. Because uh, it's just too condensed uh, in terms of time. It's too spread out in terms of logistics. And I thought that we could take the opportunity to have uh, a section for um, the alumni, a section for the current band, and a section for the board, and really let every section, every aspect of that, uh, of our programs tell their story for the year. Um, I did my best to find something that uh, paid homage to uh, Tom Davis. Um, and <clears throat> I was going through some uh, old uh, sites, if you will, and I came across this uh, welcome back letter from 1971, the summer of 1971 that uh, uh, the band members received in the summer before they came back for the fall. and. Uh, read that um, in what I thought would be my best uh, Tom Davis uh, cadence and meter, if you will. Um, and then uh, told a little bit about, uh, um, you know, the alumni band experience, played some videos. Uh, the video started glitching, uh, it cut out. And one time, uh, at one point during the program, I was completely kicked out of the program. My, my my computer was just spinning the little little boot uh, circle at me, and I'm on my phone texting uh, the Center for Advancement going, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> just go to Dr. Bush, go to the next section. Uh, and all the while, what's really funny is, is uh, I said earlier that um, I, I have these recurring nightmares about forgetting my whistle. I could hear Dr. Jones in my head going, Jeff, what's going on? What's wrong? What's going on? Come on, what, what, you know, what, what do we got to do to fix this? Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and so while I'm panicking about getting back online, Dr. Jones is in my head uh, urging me on to, to, to get things solved. <laughs> so it's funny what uh, pops in your head uh, in moments of, um, of duress. But uh, so anyway, we got things back online. Uh, the video started working better. Um, I think one of the my favorite sections of uh, the whole homecoming was having uh, 
the current drum major, uh, Michael Jansen and Golden Girl, uh, Kylene Span, uh, Spanbauer, um, and uh, the, the band manager, Kate Weldon, the first female uh, band manager uh, for the Hawkeye Band. Um, all three of them uh, uh, had their unique perspectives, but boy, it was just like listening to ourselves when we were that age about being in the Hawkeye Marching Band. If there was ever uh, um, proof that we are forever young uh, when it comes to being band geeks and uh, being members of uh, an organization like the HMB, um, it was lis listening to those three. And I could turn right around and, and, and say to those three, um, you are us. You know, I mean, uh, we haven't forgotten what it's like to be you, but you really are younger versions of us. <laughs> we're, we're all the same. And, and uh, that was probably my favorite part uh, was, was listening to them and, and uh, knowing that um, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, I guess that's the saying. Um, and that the kids, uh, the, the kids, the, the members of the marching band are just as um, proud and as uh, uh, tight to their traditions, um, uh, however different or evolved they may be from ours, um, it's the same thread. It's the same thread through time, even going back before we were in band, um, going back to uh, the 50s and 60s, um, it's the same. It's the same, and and um, that's what makes it a thrill to come back every year because you you don't feel any different than when you were there the first time and going through, experiencing it for the first time, and that's uh, that's the special part about uh, about homecoming. Who are we? HMB. Are you Hawks? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's right. No matter when. Exactly. Three questions: Are you Hawks? Are you Hawks? And are you Hawks? <laughs> Go Hawks. That will resonate for a long time. That's that's one of those I'll never forget. Well, Jeff, you've had a big impact on the HMB and the alumni band, and I know our audience appreciates everything you've been doing over the years. We certainly appreciate you taking time to talk to us tonight. And don't be surprised if we have you come back every once in a while between now and Homecoming 21. Um, give us maybe some updates of some different things that's in the planning and so probably in the spring or summer as we're getting ready to get everybody back, hopefully in person this time around that we can get together again in person. But again, thanks so much. We're, we're glad that you could join us for this episode. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tim. I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'll be happy to come back anytime. Maybe we can get more in depth on some of the uh, stories behind our times in HMB. We'll, we'll see what's fair game. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. We've been talking with Jeff Sibble, musical director of the UI Alumni Band, a member of the Alumni Band, uh, Alumni Band Board, that is. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Down and Off Podcast. Thank you once again to Jeff Sybil for sharing his time and stories with us. I, I still can't believe, John, that he didn't make the band his freshman year, and then he goes on to be drum major. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a great example for others to follow. So as we wrap things up on episode three, let us stroke our chins and reflect upon the wisdom that we have heard. What did you learn today, John? You know, it isn't so much that I learned something, but remembered something. Um, you know, I, I did learn from this one about, uh, the fact that he didn't make his freshman year. I'd heard that only very, very recently, but also what I remembered and had forgotten about was that he was part of the all American band that performed at the centennial of the, uh, Statue of Liberty with, I believe three other Hawkeye marching band members. Uh, I even remember that season, one of our graduate assistants wrote an arrangement of John Williams's Liberty March that was performed during those festivities and but i i had forgotten it's just because it's been so many years ago that uh jeff was a part of that how about you tim what did you learn today 
I really liked the example that Jeff set. We asked him like, what advice did he have for band members? And he talked about like telling the high school kids about getting involved in something that's so important to do when you get to college. I remember I worked at orientation and I worked as a resident assistant when I was at Iowa. And they talk about how important those first eight weeks of school are. If you don't get involved in something right away, um, your likelihood to drop out grows. Mm -hmm. So being able to get involved right away and get connected is huge. And then the message to the college kids that, you know, just because you don't, just because you fail at something doesn't mean you should stop trying. And I mean, look at him. He doesn't make it his freshman year. He becomes not only drum major of the current band that he's a part of, he becomes drum major of the alumni Hawkeye mm-hmm. Marching Band. So mm-hmm. just keep pushing yourself and don't let those mm-hmm. failures stop you. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Getting involved, you know, as a college student, and I'm hoping that some of our current HMB members are tuning into this podcast, but yeah, being involved is so important. It's a big part of the college experience, even though we're going through a pandemic and it's a little more difficult to do. It, it is absolutely important. You, you know, the statistics show you get better grades. Um, you have better success later on. So yeah, it's very important. Tim, before we go, I want to give a quick shout out to um, the purveyors of our t-shirts and pins for alumni band this year. That would be underground printing. Um, they did a great job. Uh, the reason why I'm doing this unpaid uh, commercial forum or shout out is to thank them for some great customer service. So I ordered a t-shirt, all that. And um, all of a sudden I was wondering where my shirt was. Went and checked my email. Tracking said it had delivered the day after Thanksgiving. Now this was a couple weeks after. No, it didn't. Um, I don't remember it being in my mailbox. But I do remember that around the time it was delivered, we were out at the Christmas tree farm getting our Christmas tree. So after checking with neighbors and all of that, it had been determined that we had been porch pirated. So I'm waiting to see who the other one person, one person in this area has an alumni band t-shirt so I can tell them it's stolen property. Um, so anyway, I got a hold of underground printing as soon as I figured out what was going on. And they had a brand new t-shirt turned around to me within a couple of days, uh, shipped it overnight, tracked it every way possible to make darn sure that we got it and the porch pirates didn't. So I just want to say a special thank you to the folks at underground printing for all they do. Cause not only do they do a great job in quality of product, but they also do a great job in customer service. Absolutely. They're fantastic. Yeah. Well, folks, as we mentioned at the top, uh, this episode was too big for one episode. So look forward to another episode dropping next week with Laura Sievert. She talked to us about her band family and turned the interview around on me and John a couple times and asked us a few questions. It was a lot of fun. Then episode five will be coming sometime in February. We're planning on, we have a list of names we'll be reaching out to and working through. If you have any ideas or stories, please reach out to us. Please feel free to share. And thank you for listening today. You can find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. And you can email your thoughts to iowaalumniband at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at down and off pod, or keep an eye on the alumni band Facebook page. He is John Brown. I am Tim Clay. Thank you all for listening on Iowa. Go Hawks.